I think the danger we all get in as business owners and leaders is that we chase the vanity metrics. So we chase the turnover, we chase the double digit growth year on year, but we sometimes forget about the quality. And as the business gets bigger, a lot of the time the quality can dip. We need to evolve. And because we were doing something last year doesn't mean to say we need to do the same thing next year. And we'd get wedded into this, well, we've always done that here. We forget to take that time out and to step back from the business and say, well, hang on a minute. Is this actually serving us all? Hello and welcome to the Unlocked podcast. I'm your host, Ricky Locke professional speaker, magician, and confidence coach, and quite simply, Unlocked is a journal of self-improvement. I'm talking to the experts, authors, and successful people from around the world, as well as sharing my mishaps and magical adventures in my own life too, to unlock the best version of ourselves. My aim is to give you some insight and inspiration so you can unlock the best version of yourself too. Now, if this sounds like your cup of tea, then hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of my latest episodes released every Wednesday. Now, relax and enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's episode, Better Before Bigger. Now, whether you are in a team or if you have a career or if you own your own business, at some point, that business that you work for or own will want to scale bigger. My business has certainly had an impact this year from the last couple of years. And as I'm starting to scale it bigger, there was a really important question that I was posed by this week's guest about the idea about being better before bigger. So joining me this week on Unlocked is Nick Cramp. With over 15 years as an SME owner and then 13 years as a coach, plus with an MBA, Nick joins the show to discuss the ideology of why we need to be better before bigger. It's a great episode, this one, and uh, a lot of this uh, conversation was based on Nick's book, which is Better Before Bigger, Rethinking Business Success. It's a fantastic book, and there is a link in the show notes that you can go check out. Go grab yourself a copy. It's really important, and some of the conversations that we have in this episode will really start to get you thinking about the idea of actually focusing on what we have. But by listening to this episode, you'll be able to unlock how to improve your business by focusing on what you already have, why it's important to be better before building a bigger business, because that's the most important thing, and stop thinking about all of those vanity metrics tricks and thinking about actually what's most important, but also ultimately, how do we rethink business success by creating sustainable solutions? It's a great episode and uh, you're going to get loads from this. So take away from this what you will. Let us know. Get in touch as well. Let me and Nick know what you think to this episode. Really enjoyed recording this one. Nick, you are absolutely a brilliant guest for coming onto the show. But without further ado, welcome to the episode with Nick Crump. Welcome to the show, Nick Crump. How are you? I'm really good, thank you, Ricky, and really looking forward to our conversation this afternoon. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. And again, Nick is a very, very patient man for uh, organising this and messing Nick around whilst I am trying to understand fatherhood and running a business. So thank you very much, Nick. It is a pleasure. Um, For anyone that doesn't know who you are or may have not heard of you before, tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do. So I'm a business coach and I work with leaders and leadership teams 
And in a nutshell, I just inspire them to create better businesses. And by better, I mean businesses that work for them rather than ones they work for. Yes, which is the key thing that we, we all really want to do, don't we? We all want to achieve that. Uh, and later on, I'm going to reveal a little bit about Nick's book, which is going to come up in this, because there's a part in there, which is there's a question quite early on in the book where you ask, does this resonate with you? And one of those responses was, is this what success really looks like? Yeah. And that's for me something that we'll talk about later on. But uh, I love the work that you're doing. And obviously, we're going to explore this ideology of better before bigger. But before we do this, I'd love to just quickly dive back into your backstory, because I know that you're a very experienced man, uh, an e-myth coach as well. So a big fan of the book as well. And obviously, you've run uh, multiple businesses as well. But I'd love to know how you've kind of gone on this transformation journey through your own experience to where you are now. And then we can expand on the idea of better before bigger. So tell us a little bit about your backstory, Nick. How have you got to this position? So my backstory was I did a sports degree because I was good at sport and didn't want to do a proper degree. So I um, did my A-levels and went off to a sports degree and realised that qualified me for very little. Um, fell into the leisure industry back in early 90s when the leisure industry was just emerging. And after playing around a little bit, spent a year in Australia, came back, got a job for about a year, and then by fortune got the chance to buy a business. So at 24, I bought a health club with a business partner with lots of borrowed money. And that was me. That was going to be me for the next X number of years of my life. So I then spent the next 16 years working how not to run a business, what worked, what didn't work, and just learning lots about business from the inside. As I said, when I started my business, I had no prior knowledge of business, so everything was learnt on the go. That was way back when, and you won't remember this, but that was way back then before the internet. Oh, right, So yes. you couldn't just jump <laughs> online and watch a YouTube, or there was none of that yeah. availability of information which there is today. So you were very isolated. You know, yeah. you stayed within your business. Mine was a bricks and mortar businesses. I had a health club, yeah. I had a preschool and nursery. And it was very difficult because you were in this kind of literally four walls trying to work things out. Um, and we had tremendous success on one level. So both businesses got a lot bigger, but they didn't generate enough money. They weren't profitable enough because we borrowed a lot to start with. We got the business model wrong and we spent 16 years proving the business model was wrong. <laughs> yes. um, I tried other things on the way. I went off and did an MBA because I thought what was lacking was my knowledge on business. So I went and did an MBA at Bath University, came back and it didn't really make a difference. And then luckily for me, the 2007 recession came along and I had to close the businesses. Now I say lucky because at the time I didn't feel lucky and it didn't feel great. But looking back now with 15 years plus of hindsight, I realized that I was never gonna escape from those businesses. I'd created a business that had trapped me. They were trapped by the business model, by the location. There was lots of things that were limiting. And I think that's the case for a lot of business owners. And for me, that then started the journey on well, what's the different way of doing this? If that's not the way, 
So what is the way? And I spent time working with other business owners, first as a business advisor, because again, business coaching wasn't really a thing. It only became a thing over the last few years. Um, so I helped out with a lot of businesses and then I decided I need some training in business coaching. So I was very familiar with um, Michael Gerber, the E-Myth, which was at that time one of the most forethinking books on business coaching and running a business. So I went off and got trained and spent two years um, as a business coach working with businesses all over the world. And this was way back again before Zoom. This was GoToMeeting. <laughs> this was dodgy phone lines and trying to kind of coach people <laughs> over. Yeah. So that was interesting, but it was a great experience. But what I realized is that there wasn't one size fits all, which was generally the myth philosophy. And I liked the fact of structure, but I didn't agree with all of it. So I decided to take a step back and write my own. So based on my experience, both as a business owner and based on my experience as a coach, I created my own methodology, ideology, and that's what sits in the book, which I know we're going to talk about later. So that came out um, last year and that's what I do now. So I work with business leaders, business leadership teams, but primarily those of adolescent stage businesses. So these are businesses which have been around for a while. On the outside, they look successful, but on the inside, they don't always feel successful. And that's my niche. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and what a wonderful story as well. So lots of experience to, to share in this episode as well. And there's a lot of familiarity with this when uh, obviously we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago pre-recording this about um, it, it myself and, and kind of some of the things that I'm now experiencing as, as fatherhood, but also in terms of scalability, which we'll tap into in a little bit. But I love this uh, concept of the better before bigger and moving those businesses from that adolescence to the maturity stage, because there is a point, I think, isn't there in a business where you start chasing after the wrong things. And I think you've mentioned this previously in a lot of uh, yeah. podcast episodes about profit that we often yeah. chase, but actually there's a lot of other things uh, that we, we should be going after. But tell us about uh, the model, because the book, as we will go into it, is, is a fantastic guide to help people move from that position of that adolescence to maturity. But tell us about the, the better before bigger. What does it mean to be better before bigger? I think the danger we all get in as business owners and leaders is that we chase the vanity metrics. So we chase the turnover, we chase the double digit growth year on year, but we sometimes forget about the quality. And as the business gets bigger, a lot of the time the quality can dip. So from every stakeholder's perspective, whether it's the employees, whether it's the customers, whether it's the shareholders or whether it's the partners, it actually isn't a better business. It's a bigger business, but it's not actually then serving the needs or expectations of the key groups that need it to serve them if it's going to be maintained. So it's losing relevance. It's losing attractiveness because it's become too big. And what we forget is that like as individuals, we need to evolve 
And because we were doing something last year, doesn't mean to say we need to do the same thing next year. And we'd get wedded into this, well, we've always done that here. That's who we service. That's the product we offer. And we forget to take that time out and to step back from the business and say, well, hang on a minute. Is this actually serving us all? And as all means the different stakeholders. Are our customer satisfaction ratings actually going up or down? Because it's great that our turnover is going up. But so what? If the profitability percentage is going down, then it's just vanity. It's not sanity. So the idea is that at certain stages in your business, we need to create a plateau period where we take the foot off the accelerator and we spend time on creating a better version for the next stage of the journey. So if you imagine people climbing Everest, you don't go straight to the top. You don't go, <laughs> right, five days, up we go, no stopping. You know, you get to base camp. Yeah. And then you acclimatize. You might take on different Sherpas because these Sherpas have got more experience at ice climbing. Mm. You learn how to use oxygen masks because you know at the next stage you need different skills. There might be some people in your party that you don't take on the next phase because they're not able to cope with the altitude. And it's the same analogy in a business for me that at certain stages, the leaders need to look at the business and say, OK, this is great. We've got to this point. But what got us here doesn't necessarily get us there. And giving that permission to make some changes. What does a better team look like? So if you're a football manager, every summer you sit down with your directors and you talk about what you've achieved and you talk about the ambition for next year and you talk about who you want to bring in, what transfers you need to make, what change of tactics. So you have this natural off season in sport and the off season is that plateau period where it gives the team chance to get better so they can achieve more next year. And it's the same for business. And I think that business, we just need to take that seasonality into play. Yeah, I love that. It's a great reference with the mountain and it takes me back to my own personal experience of, of Machu Picchu. We climbed that many, many years ago. And you're right, it isn't just this, you know, um, I think you've said it before in a, in a different podcast about triangles at school, that's how we draw mountains. Um, but yeah, you know, day two is literally eight hours of just climbing upwards. But yeah. then the next day, there's a little bit where it plateaus and you get to recharge, get your muscles to relax a little bit. Yeah. And then you kind of go off again. I think it's important, isn't it? But why do you think that people don't do that? Why is it that they, they don't take the blinkers off? Do you think that there's maybe a bit of vulnerability here that they just don't want to admit it? Or is it a case that they just want to keep plowing on full steam ahead? Because we, we know, even from your own experience and even from me, uh, one of the things that I, I'll share later on as a tip that I've been doing from the book, you know, is about stopping and putting time in for those R&R days, those reflection periods. But I think it's really important that I've got that awareness. But why is it that maybe these business owners sometimes don't have that awareness to stop? What is, in your experience, do you think is the reason why that doesn't happen? I think there's a number of reasons. I think one of the reasons is we become addicted to the turnover. I yeah. think we align our self-worth too much with the turnover. When I started out as a coach, I thought the most important metric for me was number of clients. 
so my diary was chocked full of clients. And I wasn't a great coach because I couldn't even like remember the person's name I was coaching half the time because I was going straight from one coaching session to the next coaching session. There was very little prep. There was very little post-coaching activity. Whereas now I'll never coach back-to-back sessions because I know I need to prepare before a session and I need to make some notes afterwards, which I can then send to the client. And I think that as a business leader, sometimes we just get obsessed with the wrong metric. And that metric is needed when you start out in a business. Yes, you do need more customers. And yes, you do need more turnover. But at some point, that doesn't become so true. And there's this tipping point, And the tipping point is always earlier than we realise. We're, we're like, you know, think about Debenhams. You know, Debenhams had a tremendous business model which worked for a number of years, but they didn't evolve it early enough. So when they were forced to evolve it online, it was too late. And that what happens sometimes is we get so addicted to what we've previously done and what we know. And it goes back to what you said about vulnerability. As a leader, actually putting your hand up and saying, well, actually, I don't know how to lead differently. I don't actually know how to run a leadership team. You know, learning those skills is an evolution that they need to make. But to do that, they've got to be vulnerable. They've got to be self-aware and they've got to develop to that next level of leadership. Yeah. As a side topic then to that, do you think that the world that we're in now with social media, I know that we're quite both active on LinkedIn, you know, yeah. comparisonitis, we see it on social medias, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn of other businesses doing well or other businesses uh, achieving things. And there is that reflection thinking, well, oh, hang on a minute, I'm not achieving that. So therefore, does that make me, uh, you know, inferior? Am I, uh, am I less successful than that person? And maybe that's why I need to carry on. In my experience, I've seen it where, you know, there's people going to events, I'm thinking, well, oh, I'm not doing that. So I'm not as good then. So I'll, I'll keep pushing, I'll keep pushing. But actually, there's that moment of just stopping, really, I need to stop. And let's look at, like you said, is this serving me well? But do you think that, that plays a big part into why business owners, you know, chase after that wrong metric? I, I think it does. And I think there's um, a balance point, which is when I had my business, as I say, there was no reference point at all, which was hard. Yeah. Now there's too many reference points, which is hard in the other direction. So I think business owners have got to work hard at filtering out the irrelevant stuff. Yes. <laughs> I have five golden gurus, I talk call them, which I listen to and read regularly. And I don't want any more than that because I become overwhelmed and I can't yeah. get through the stuff. Is that Seth Godin as one of them? Yeah. Yes, great. Yeah. So I try and filter out who I want to listen to. And for me, the people I'm listening to are the people that are either further down the road that I want to travel or are coming from a different viewpoint and a viewpoint that will challenge my thinking because it's not the way I think. So I think it is really hard with leaders right now because there is so many comparisons. And we know that most comparisons probably aren't even true. You know, yeah. but we still compare ourselves to them. So I think, you know, leadership is very challenging right now. And it's been obviously probably the most difficult two years for leaders ever. 
in a lot of ways. Um, but that self-awareness around what they're doing and why they're doing it is just so critical. Yeah, agreed. And, and I think this, like in, with my own experience recently, you talk about this in the book about principle-based businesses, you know, yeah. linking back to what's really important. And I, I mentioned this a, a few months ago to you when we chatted about how my values in my own business have changed now because I've got a little girl, you know, yeah. family, freedom, fun. You know, if I get an opportunity to do an event, uh, whether it's a, a speaking event or even if it's a performing event, if it doesn't fit with my values of, is yeah. it going to be you know flexible you know with my life? Does it fit around family? Uh, and is it fun? Then I don't really want to do it. But I think I'm guessing that these people, the business owners, kind of we, we lose track of that, don't we? And I know we shared it before where you, you go into businesses and you see values yeah. written on the wall and vision, and you can ask people, what's the vision of this company? Oh, I, I don't know. And, <laughs> it's and on the wall there, there. It's there in five foot letters behind them, and they're yeah. like, yeah. That's it. And yeah, I think yeah. that's the trap, isn't it? And I think that what you what you talk about is when we've got a small business, which we both have, we can pivot very easily and quickly. Yes. Yeah. And we can evolve it, but it's even more important in bigger businesses that's actually done, and purposes do change, missions change, visions change, and just because that's what we believed eighteen months ago. Well, we didn't know what we knew, what we know now. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. as you say, life events like having a baby. Yeah. That's hopefully going to change your priorities totally. Because if not, then there's something. Yes. Missing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's after our last conversation, you know, and reading the book, one of the things that I started to think about, um, and I know there's probably a few listeners out there that will listen to this who are in the same boat as me of, of a scalability factor as a solopreneur myself. Yeah. There's only so many events that I can perform at. You know, I, unfortunately, I haven't learned that magic trick yet to duplicate myself, <laughs> you know, as most business owners wish they probably could do that. But when I got COVID on uh, Christmas Eve, I mean, what a timing. There was that instant shock of thinking, oh, OK, well, yeah, I can probably get someone else to cover that gig for me, but they're not me. Yeah. And therefore, there's a bit of danger there. So moving forward, there are probably lots of business owners that listen to this thinking, okay, yeah, I'm in your shoes, Ricky. There's only so much that I can do. And I remember yeah. I wrote this down. I love this quote that you mentioned about uh, Gordon Ramsay doesn't have to cook at every restaurant. Yeah. And for me, you're absolutely right. I'm now thinking about, well, if I'm going to take this business forward, what is it that I want to do? And what is it that I might need to start thinking about that self-awareness piece of taking some yeah. time out? Is this actually serving me well? Yes, carry on. If it's not, then let's do something about it. So let's imagine some business owners are now listening to this and they're thinking, yeah. you know what, Nick, I absolutely get this. I am in that period of I want to I want to be bigger. I want to yeah. grow and grow. But maybe there's a, a, a plateau that I'm now hitting that I need to start yeah. thinking about. And now let's start thinking about those principles. So one of the key things, obviously, that you go through the book is identifying those you know, your principles of what's important, but yeah. taking those those times out. So like I said, R&Rs for me, I actually go to, it's a bit of a hindrance now because I've got a child that I can obviously know that my daughter's downstairs with my yeah. uh, my wonderful super fiance, but I actually will leave now because as a bit of an NLP anchor here, a lot of this office that I'm in now yeah. is an anchor to, I'm at the office, I've got to check emails. Actually, emails are not important. I, do you know what? Yeah. I'm going to go take my sketch pad and let's take some post notes. Let's start thinking about stuff. Yeah. But anyway, in a world, uh, in a, a long story short there, so 
people listening to this right now, that's thinking, right, okay, yeah, I, I want to be better. So what are probably some of the fundamental things now and steps for people to think about? What can we now do to start taking a step back and start reviewing what we're doing? What can we do to now get better? So the first stage is recognising what you just talked about, which is that it's very difficult to create the next version of the business while you're sitting in the current business. Whilst people are knocking on the door, the phone's ringing, the emails are pinging, you haven't got the headspace to be creative. So as we spoke about earlier, you know, finding that third space, home being one, work being two, creation space being number three, find that space where you can go and be creative and work systematically on the next version of the business. So if you were starting the business tomorrow, what stays, what goes? Yeah. What would you start doing? What would you stop doing? What would you do more of? What would you do less of? Those really simple prompts, but systematically sit there and design the better business. What the service and products look like? What does your leadership team or the senior people need to look like? You know, and think about, and this is what I call the reframing stage, think about what your relationship needs to look like for the business, for the business to work for you. I would suggest that for most business owners, for the first phase of their business, they've been working for their business. Sure, their name's above the door. My name was above the door. <laughs> but if someone was off sick on a Sunday morning at the health club, guess who was doing their shift? So I was working for the business. I was the worst played employee. I was doing 90 hours a week, no job description, very few holidays. And that for most people is a rites of passage. But at some stage, you get to change that if you make that the priority. So what do you want to do in this new business? Do you want to be head of sales? Do you want to be R&D? You know, what are you actually passionate about here? And if you were employing you, where would you put you? Because yeah. you get all of those choices. So you can create the business as you want it for the next phase, using the benefit of what you've learned, using the foundations you've established, you can then build from that foundation. So reframing the business. And once you've done that, then it's the rethink phase. And the rethink phase is the phase I suggest you do with your key team. And that's talking about, you know, our differentiators. For most of us, unless you're the lowest cost in the market, you gain profit by being differentiated. But for a lot of businesses, what they were differentiated on is no longer the case. The gap's narrowed. What was clear blue water is now purple stroke red. <laughs> yes, yeah. So looking at the differentiators, looking at your offerings and looking at the stakeholders, are the existing customers really your ideal customers? Or do you really want to be working with different ones? It's really fundamental questions like that, which is the rethink phase. So this is the the off season in a different space with a whiteboard, lots of post-it notes and just really kind of working with the team because they're obviously you need them involved, whoever they are. Yeah. But those would be the first two stages, Ricky, reframe and then rethink. 
I love that. And you've inspired me here, Nick, because even in conversations we've had before, I'm exactly the same here where it's, I've identified there's a, a, a there's only so much that I can do unless I start tripling, doubling my prices. You know, we want to work smarter. We don't want to work harder. But um, the, for me, the principles now of my values of what I want to do, you know, in my business, there is that chance where taking July to September would be like, what are you doing, Ricky? You're a, you're a, a professional magician in the wedding industry. That wouldn't be seen. There is an absolute opportunity that I could do that if I implemented things in the business and scaled it and outsourced yeah. people and that. And I'm in that position now thinking about, well, actually, where is the time and the energy I want to focus on? My high value tasks of being at a keynote, being at a networking meeting or being in person at the event, all those low value tasks like the admin stuff that people you can pay for that will do yeah. it. And there is that risk of burnout because not only now have I got like a business that's that's now kind of normalizing again because events are yeah. happening but i've also got a little girl to look after and yeah. there's that separation which obviously in the book is is really about the circle of your life and your business so i, I love all that and something you've reminded me of here uh, nick is uh, i literally this is god's honest truth last night I watched this on netflix it's called boiling point uh, okay. it's a great uh, great film on netflix with stephen graham uh, the guy from liverpool and it's uh, a one-shot movie so I think it's obviously filmed over a period of a couple of weeks, but it's a one-shot take a movie about a chef in a very stressful uh, London restaurant. And you're exactly the right thing, like you mentioned a minute ago. Someone doesn't turn up, stress, and you can just see it crumbling around. It's a, it's a fantastic thing, but it took me back to those days in my career of working right. in Argos when Christmas Eve, uh, this is a true story, I wore a, a 24-hour blood pressure monitor because I was trying to uh, buy my first house so you had to have health insurance doctors identified okay. some blood pressure yeah long story short back before argos went fully digital christmas eve in argos in the uk used to be rammed everyone and it was a horrible experience and i'll never forget it people were sick and store manager out the front you know yeah. sleeves rolled up and it's horrible and i never want to be in that position now in my own business where that happens but anyway Linking with this really well is, is the book that you've created and uh, absolutely brilliant. You can see that I've put some a uh, couple of things here, some post-it notes. It is a fantastic book. And as you said there, uh, and I've wrote this down, obviously, to get the business working for you rather than obviously you work for. And I think that's the real, the real key thing here. There is one thing that I mentioned at the start of this podcast that really resonates with me, which is the first section about does this resonate? And yeah. there's a question that you ask the readers, which is uh, if you've ever said this statement before. So for me, one of those statements was I thought success would feel different from this. Yeah. And I truly, truly that resonated with me. And the, the third one, which was I want to be able to take extended periods away from my business, either with my family or on my own, without the business being negatively impacted. As a realization for me, COVID, there's a lot of things I've probably taken on as desperation because we had to pay the mortgage, we had to do stuff. And now the impact I'm seeing is like, hmm, don't think I really want to do that anymore. So yeah. love that. Really resonates with the book. So briefly, let's talk about this. Um, it's, a, it's a great book that's available on Amazon, I think, uh, and other avenues as well, I think from the website as well. Yeah. And uh, it's a fantastic guide that really will help people to understand, to take that moment to to step away and really think about your business. But tell us a little bit about the book. What inspired you to write this book then? Um, I think what I shared earlier about my experience as a business owner and realising as I go, as I coach businesses, how common that is. 
So this idea of being trapped by the business you've created, success on the outside, swan-like on the inside, pedaling furiously to keep everything together, you know, that sense that the sales team goes out there and wins some new business and the rest of the organisation groans because they haven't got the capacity to deal with it. So there's this misalignment. So the book is actually written for the 30-year-old Nick. Great. So it's a it's a letter back to myself, a little bit too late, but you know. <laughs> so it's writing to 30-year-old me saying, look, you've done well, you've got to this stage. Now is the point you need to transition so that you're working on the business rather than in the business and you need to build the leadership team and you need to do the things I advocate in the book. So the book is about, first of all, the mindset. We have to adopt as a leader a different mindset for this phase of the journey. And the term which comes to mind now, post-book, is this idea of servant leadership. So when we start our business, we're like that First World War captain that we have to lead our troops over the top. You know, we have to be there earliest. We're there first through the door in the morning. We're there last at night. Follow me, lads. You know, as we get hopefully wiser, and the people that have discovered this before me are obviously wiser, we realise that's not the role of a leader. That's a style of leadership, but it's not sustainable because most of those guys got shot. Yeah. yeah. So, so this idea of being a servant leader, which is what does my team need from me? That is your first and most important question every day, every week, because you're there to serve them rather than them being there to serve you. And what we're trying to get down to is the minimal viable leadership amount. So how little do I need to actually be on site for the business to still function effectively? That should be the goal, because then you've got all this time to go and create another business, another division, another service. If these guys have got the day-to-day -day stuff, brilliant and i think that's where i'm trying to encourage leaders to get to is that switching mindset and once they've made that switch i talk about in the book what i feel are the six core components which they need to change so these are the elements which they need to upgrade for the next phase of the journey brilliant and it's a fantastic book as well, Nick. And here's a question that I didn't have uh, ready for you, scripted. So if you was to go back to 30-year-old Nick, which yeah. I'm guessing is about five years ago, maybe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> too kind. Um, what do you think 30-year-old Nick would say if you presented him with this book? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> initially, I think the 30-year-old Nick might have rejected it. But I think the 35-year-old Nick would have probably, at that stage, bitten your hand off. Yes. So yeah. I think there's a point for all leaders where they realise there might be something different. And I think at some point, I hope I would have realised that this path wasn't working. And, that, and I think that's why I did the MBA. Part of doing the MBA was trying to find what it was and for me at the time the MBA wasn't actually although I was learning different stuff it wasn't applicable 
And that was not about mindset. That was about process and systems and stuff like that. So 30 year old Nick would probably have ignored you. 35 year old Nick would hopefully have adopted it. <laughs> Brilliant. Love that. So thank you. And I think as well, being you know very serious now, it's a serious message. I, I think that this is a, I mean, it's come at a right time for me. Yeah. But I think that there is a very serious underlying thing here of that the risk of, I know a lot of friends burnout, you know, from yeah. these business leaders that are going in the wrong direction, maybe chasing after that vanity metric. There is a serious message to this as well, that actually we, we do need to have that focus to stop and think about our principles, to think about the time that we're putting into review and ask ourselves those questions are, is this really serving us well? So I think, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic relative book that I don't think is ever going to kind of, you know, I know a lot of people have said about EMIF sometimes now yeah. can be a little bit outdated, but this really going forward in the modern age where we mentioned earlier on comparison, it's so important. So Nick, if people want to grab a copy of this, how can they find a copy of the book? Where can they go get one? So obviously Amazon, if you want to just press that one button shop, or if you'd like a personal message from me, you can buy it from my website. And there's also some bonus items on the website as well. So there's a workbook which goes with the book. So if you look at my website, which is www.nickcramp.com, you can purchase it from there. Fantastic, Nick. And before I finish, I've got two questions for you. Uh, obviously, sure. thank you for, for taking the time to talk with us today. Um, I guess two questions, one about the unlocked kind of theme, I guess. But the other question yeah. is, if people are listening right now to this and they're really resonating with this, they are in 30-year-old Nick's shoes. Maybe that's yeah. the direction they're heading in. What would you say is one thing right now to take away from this podcast for them to start thinking about being better before bigger? So I think it's about detaching from the day-to-day. -day. So I use the term detached objectivity. So I think we need, we all get too close to our business, which is great because we need to be passionate about it and we need to drive it. But at some point we need to be honest with ourselves and say, actually, what have we built? One of my favorite um, people I follow is a guy called Dave Goggins, who, who's a Navy SEAL that's got a tremendous life story. And he talks about the accountability mirror and starting each morning looking in the accountability mirror and being happy with what you're seeing back. And there's a number of questions he asks himself each morning, but that kind of being brutally honest with yourself, because unless you can be honest with yourself about what you've got and what you've created, you won't make the change. You won't invest in the transformation needed. You'll pay lip service. So I think the most important thing people can do right now is stand back from the business and actually ask that question, is this serving me? And am I motivated to carry on doing this for the next two, three years? And if you're not, that's okay. There are other options. But just that first question, I think, is the starting point. I like that. It's nice. It's kind of thinking about the bigger picture, but I just thought there, it's more, it's thinking about the better picture, not the big picture. But yeah, I love that. Well, Nick, uh, my final question then to you is for listeners of the Unlock podcast, they'll know I talk about unlocking the best version of you. Nick, what is your top tip for unlocking the best version of yourself? On a personal level, I unlock the best person myself where I practice self-care. 
so my day starts with focus on me. So it starts with some exercise, some reading and some writing. Because I know that if I win the first hour of the day, then the second hour is probably going to be a win as well. So unlocking the potential, I think, always has to start within. Because once we're sorted, so it's the oxygen mask on the planes, Yeah, you can't help others if you're in need of oxygen then you're no good to anybody so i think unlocking the potential means having that initial self-care so that you can operate as the best person for other people brilliant answer well nick thank you for coming on to the podcast if people want to find out more about you we know where they can find a book but maybe someone might want to work with you how can they get in touch and find out more so LinkedIn's a great starting place. I'm a regular poster on LinkedIn, so we can connect and we can message on that. Or you can jump on my website and contact me via that. And also there's details of the services on the website. Brilliant. And we'll pop some links into the show notes as well. Brilliant. Nick, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, yes, good luck to you and best wishes for the future. Thank you. Thanks, Ricky. It's been really good. Love that episode. Thank you, Nick, for being a fantastic guest. And don't forget, as we mentioned in the episode, you can grab a copy of Nick's book, Better Before Bigger, Rethinking Business Success. It's available on Amazon. It's available on Nick's website. Just head to the links in the show notes and you can grab a copy of that. I'm definitely going to be taking away some tips there and ideas thinking about as I move my business and my speaking career going forward, what can I do to start thinking about being better before obviously scaling bigger? Because I don't want to go into that mistake where I'm going to miss out on some uh, some really simple ideas that I can start implementing right now before it gets too big. But anyway, as always, thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, then let us know by heading over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review or a rating. And always thank you to the wonderful patrons of this podcast. We have Anthony Howe, we have Sherry Brenton, Steve McDermott, Chris Lovett, Rory Barnes, and a new Patreon member, which is Jasmine Barnes. Thank you for joining up and thank you to all of you for your continued support. If you want to get a, uh, be a part of the um, the patrons, just head to the link in the show notes and you can donate just a cup of coffee a month and get exclusive access and early access to these episodes with bonus content too. And as always, thank you patrons for listening to this episode. But yes, we will see you on another episode of Unlocked very, very soon. So good luck unlocking the best version of yourself and I'll join you next week for another episode of Unlocked. Goodbye.